first Sunday of December. We're so glad that uh, you have joined us in person. So glad that you're joining us online. And we wanted to show you this little video from Operation Christmas Child because we had a group from our church that just got back, actually, from Denver up at the processing center helping to pack all the boxes, put them together. Um, I think they had well over 350,000 boxes that they are sending out to children around the world. And I think that was only like halfway through of what they were supposed to be packing. And uh, we actually have a picture. It was uh, some girls from our Grace Student Ministry, one of our squads. And so I know some of them are here uh, this morning. And so they were able to get up and and, uh, uh, serve by packing boxes and sending some really neat uh, um, gifts to children around the world to share the love of Jesus Christ. So we wanted to share that with you. And also just wanted to remind you this morning, uh, last Sunday we gave a challenge here at Grace Church starting December 1st. We called it the 31-day challenge. And we were challenging everyone to spend 31 days the whole month of December um, in the scriptures. And if you're watching online right now, you, you'll see a, a link come up, and it'll, if you click on that link, it'll take you to some 31-day uh, Bible reading plans, and we would love for you to take that challenge with us, because we believe that spending time in God's Word makes a difference. We believe that it, it, it's important. We believe that it changes hearts, it changes minds, and so I hope and pray that you will take the 31-day challenge, and for the rest of the month of December, uh, every morning, um, afternoon, evening, whenever you have some quiet time, or whenever you make some quiet time, I should say, that you'll spend some time in God's Word. Today, we are starting a brand new series called Joy to the World. And the reality is, is Jesus is the joy of our world. Because without Jesus, all right, the reality is without Jesus, we would be hopeless, we would be helpless, We would be void of any goodness um, whatsoever. But because of Jesus, we can truly experience joy in this broken world. This Christmas season, we're going to be reminded afresh that Jesus is the one who brought joy to the world. Because of Christ, we have salvation. Because of Christ, we can truly experience joy. And the reality is, is if this is true, If Jesus is the reason for the season, if Jesus is the Savior of the world, why wouldn't we share that good news with everyone? Why wouldn't we take that to the world, the gospel of Jesus Christ? And so uh, throughout this month of December, we're calling it Joy to the World because Jesus is the joy of the world. And we're going to have a missions focus throughout this month of December. We're going to talk about what does it look like for us as a church to be um, gospel-focused here locally? What does it look like for us as as Grace Church to be gospel-focused in our region? What does it look like for us to be gospel-focused around the world? And so for the next three weeks, we're going to unpack one verse in the Scriptures. We're going to spend three weeks in one verse. And this one verse has been, it's been a guidepost it's been a, uh, an inspiration, you could say, for many, many churches throughout the history of the church. It has guided many churches in their efforts to bring joy to a world that is hurting and broken. It's given us instruction, it's guided us, and it's really the reason why we try to take this message of Jesus to everyone that we possibly can. The verse is found in the book of Acts, and 
Um, Acts was written by the Apostle Luke. Luke was the same one who recorded the story of Jesus' birth. But Acts and uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you need to know that the context of this verse, Jesus is the one speaking. And he's actually speaking to over 500 eyewitnesses. Jesus, when he says this, he's talking to over 500 people. And he has already been crucified. He has already been buried. So that means at the time of when Jesus is speaking this, he has conquered death. And he is standing in front of these over 500 people as the resurrected Savior of the world. Jesus says this in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, after I go back to heaven, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you, okay, let me just be clear, this isn't for the religious professionals. This isn't for those who are, uh, you know, have gone to um, <clears throat> a Bible college or have a theology degree. He's talking about you and me. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Such an incredible, powerful verse in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But this morning... What I want to do is I want to focus in on one phrase. And we're going to spend the majority of our time on this phrase this morning. But I'm going to focus on the first part of verse 8 when it says, You will receive power. What, what does that mean? What, what does that even look like? You will receive power. I mean, the very first thing we need to understand about this power that we're going to receive when you put your faith in Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That means the Holy Spirit indwells you, comes inside to make residence inside of you. And you will receive this power, and this power is God's power. It's not your power. It's not your talents. It's not your abilities. It's not how cool you are. It's the power of God in you. Apart from Christ, we are actually powerless. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Luke says you will receive power and he's referring to the power of God. And so this morning what I want to do is I, I want to give us just a glimpse. I mean, to be able to unpack the, the, the full power of God would be impossible. But I just want to try to give us a glimpse of the power of God. And in order to do that, we have to look at an encounter of God's power. We have to go to the Scriptures and we have to look at a time when God's power was on display to kind of better understand the power of God. And this morning, what I, what I want to do is I want to take us to an encounter with God's power. But the story I'm going to take us to in the Scripture, it actually comes in the context of a dilemma. Some people experience the power of God, but it's right in the middle of a dilemma. It's right in the middle of some difficulties. A dilemma is when you're in a situation and there's no way out. A dilemma is like a no-win situation. 
It's when you look, everywhere you look, it's just a lose-lose proposition. Anybody been in a dilemma in 2020? All right? There's dilemmas all around us. I mean, we're reigning dilemmas, right? There's dilemmas everywhere. A dilemma means any direction you look in, it appears to be a lose-lose situation. And I think some of us watching online, some of us here in person, we could be right in the middle of a dilemma here this morning. And to get a better look at the power of God, I want to take us to one of the most noted stories in Israel's history. It's actually the story of the parting of the Red Sea. And this was one of the greatest miracles that the nation of Israel experienced. And I think many of us who grew up in church or were around church, you're going to be very familiar with this story. Some of us who maybe um, we didn't grow up in church, maybe this is our first time to ever be in church or to watch church online. This may be the first time you've ever heard this story. But this is a story that's repeated over and over again in the Scriptures. It's the story of the crossing of the Red Sea. And I want you to know that this was no small happening. I mean, this was a really big deal. This was an incredible experience for the nation of Israel. But I, I want you to understand this. This is really important to know. They experienced the power of God in the context of a dilemma. I want to prepare you today for an encounter with God, but that encounter may come in the middle of a dilemma. So let me give you a little bit of background of this encounter with God's power. Moses um, has been kind of tapped on the shoulder and given the direction from God to go and lead the nation of Israel out of slavery. The Hebrew people were slaves uh, to the Egyptian uh, um, nation, and they have been slaves for a really long time. And Moses goes in and through different plagues that God brought onto the nation of Egypt, um, Pharaoh, the leader, finally gets to a place where he makes the decision to let the Hebrew people go. And so now Moses is leading an entire nation of people out of slavery, out of Egypt, and into freedom. And Pharaoh has finally reached his breaking point. It actually happened when his oldest son died. And he finally said, get the Hebrew people out of here. Let them go. Let those people go free. And the people are now on their way out of slavery and into freedom. And the nation of Israel, man, they're excited. They're no longer slaves. They're beginning to taste freedom. They're excited and they've heard about this promised land that they're going to enter and They've heard about the purposes of God and this incredible, this incredible future that they're moving towards. I mean, things are looking good for the nation of Israel. And as they leave, it says in verse 17 of Exodus chapter 13, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. And then look at the first part of verse 18, and it says, so God led them. Isn't it fascinating? I guess it's fascinating for me. This is something I've experienced. This is something I've seen in my life. But most things that I've experienced that have been worth, uh, have been worth it, have been valuable, have been something that I remember, or something that I hang on to, uh, something that I appreciate, 
it has never come through the path of a shortcut. I mean, anything worth value, anything uh, that, man, is, is, is going to be something that's long-lasting, it's not going to be on the path of a shortcut. I mean, to have a strong, healthy marriage, you're not going to be able to get to that place of a strong, healthy marriage by taking a shortcut. You know, to, to have a, a, a vibrant faith in God, it's not going to come through the path of a shortcut. You know, in order to have a, a business that's thriving, you know, it's, it's not going to come through the path of a shortcut. God doesn't work through shortcuts. Oftentimes, God takes us kind of in a roundabout way. He takes us in a, in, in a path that we wouldn't expect, but it's the path that we need to learn the things that we need to learn. This was the case for the nation of Israel. But then in the first part of verse 18, I want us to make sure we understand that it was God that was leading them. So right in the middle of their dilemma, it was God who led them to this dilemma. I think sometimes we, we can be doing everything right. You're like, man, I, I took the 31-day challenge. I've been in the Bible every day. I've been praying. I've been going to church. I'm hanging around godly people. You know, I'm like, I'm singing, you know, when the band's up there. I'm like doing everything right. And yet I still find myself in this dilemma. Like, what's going on? Their dilemma is going to take them to a place where their faith is going to be tested, where it's going to be difficult. But they were being obedient. They were following the leading of the Lord, and they ended up in a dilemma. Not only did verse 18 say that God was leading them, but it also says that God led them the long way around or the roundabout way. He didn't lead them to take the shortcut once again. And I, I think God works that way. Oftentimes, God's path is not just like a, ooh, that's a straight line and easy going. Sometimes there's some zigs and zags in it, you know? And I think you would experience that in your faith journey. I know my faith journey is not just a nice, comfy, easy line. Mine's got some squigglies in it, you know? And sometimes it's got some lines going backwards, to be honest with you. But man, God continues to work and continues to lead. He didn't lead them to take a shortcut, but not only that, God was going before them. Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, it says that God was leading them by a pillar of smoke during the day and a pillar of fire at night. This is how God was leading them in their journey in the wilderness. This is how they knew where to go. Pillar of smoke in the day, pillar of fire at night. And then in Exodus chapter 14, and verse 3, it says, Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. They are trapped in the wilderness. So I'm sure Pharaoh has some scouts that are going out in the wilderness and checking on things, and they see the nation of Israel just kind of wandering around, taking these zigzag routes, you know, God's leading them kind of in a roundabout way, and Pharaoh begins to think, oh my gosh, they are lost. They're going to be trapped. I think I have them right where I want them. When it says that they're trapped in the wilderness, it means they're in a no-win situation. And once again, it says God was leading them. God was actually leading them to a no-win situation. And you might, 
be thinking to yourself right now, like, come on, Justin, like, God doesn't do that. God doesn't lead people to a no-win situation. Like, what are you talking about? But the reality is, is God does do that. Why? Because sometimes it's only in those no-win situations that we will truly know the power of God. And you aren't smart enough to figure it out. You can't talk your way out of it. You can't manipulate your way out of it. You can't lie your way out of it. You, you, you can't do it. You don't have the strength to do it. You can't find a way to get out of this dilemma. And all of a sudden, you have to look to God for a way through your dilemma. Sometimes a dilemma means you cannot get out of it. See, the thing about a dilemma is you don't see a way of escape. Every direction that you look is just, it, it's man, it's a lose situation if I go that way. Oh gosh, I'm going to lose if I go that way. Oh gosh, that way doesn't work. You're, you feel like you're trapped. You feel like, You're stuck. But when God is ready to move you to a new spiritual level, level, when God is ready to to grow your faith, it usually happens in the middle or in the midst of a no-win situation. Look at verse 4 of Exodus 14. It says, and once again, this is speaking of God, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. Notice this. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. I will harden Pharaoh's heart. He's going to chase after you. And I've actually planned this to happen. I mean, this this hardening of the heart means that God made Pharaoh meaner than he already was. It means that he, he made him more rebellious than he already was. You see, it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. When when God is ready to display his power, when he's ready to do something where every onlooker says, oh my gosh, only God could do that, he may put you in a situation that only he can get you out of. In verse 8 of Exodus 14, it says, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, So he chased after the people of Israel. Now catch this. The the nation of Israel, remember, they they had been in slavery. And this was a a very oppressive slavery. I mean, this was, they were beaten. Uh, They didn't have much food to live on. Uh, This this was, I mean, they had lost many people uh, because they were overworked. I mean, they worked them to death, literally. I mean, this was a very oppressive slavery. and God delivers them from this bondage. And now God hardens Pharaoh's heart to come after them in the wilderness with the mighty army of Egypt. You see, sometimes, once again, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but sometimes I can literally think, gosh, man, I feel like I'm, I'm trying to do everything right. Like, I'm trying to... I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to walk the straight and narrow. Yet the situation around me or the circumstances around me seem to 
they seem to be getting darker. You know, they seem to be more oppressive. I feel kind of heavier. I, I feel like I've stepped out of some bondage, but man, I, I feel like my situation is grim. Exodus 14 and verse 10 says, As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, and they cried out to the Lord. So you need to know, they were in the wilderness, and they came to the Red Sea, a big body of water. So they got the Red Sea on this side, and they turn around and they look, and you could only imagine just a huge dust cloud because the mighty army of Egypt is pursuing them. These are a bunch of bad dudes. Okay, They got shields and spears and swords and chariots and horses. and They're in this dilemma. They can't escape this way. They can't escape this way. They wouldn't be able to outrun them if they ran along the shore of, of the Red Sea. They're, they're stuck. They're in a bad way. So they have the Red Sea here. They have the, the mighty army of Egypt on this side. And they're terrified. And it says they cried out to the Lord. What, what happens is the nation of Israel ended up doing what a lot of you and I do. Like a lot of Christians do this. But they cried out to God for help, which is a good thing. But I didn't finish the, the last part of verse 10. Because at the very same time that they're crying out to God for help, they were complaining to man. Like we're, we're funny how we kind of work that way. But look at verse 11. And they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness, Moses? Weren't, weren't there enough graves in Egypt for all of us? What, what have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you that this would happen if we left Egypt? Didn't we tell you, just, just leave us alone, Moses? Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. Let us go back to that place of bondage and slavery. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. See, the dilemma that they're facing, the Red Sea on one side, the, the mighty army of Egypt on the other, it produces a spiritual conflict within them. And maybe you've experienced this where you're in the middle of a, of a conflict or a dilemma, a, a crisis, you could say, and you begin to, like you're crying out to God, you feel like, man, I'm doing everything I, I think I know how to do to, to, to live right, but you begin to have this crisis of faith. You begin to doubt, like, man, should I have listened to this Moses? Should I have listened to this man of God? Should I... Should I be following God? I mean, He's been leading us with a pillar of fire and a, a, a cloud of smoke, but man, He just seems like He led us right to a trap. Like, should I be following God? Do I trust God? They're having this internal spiritual conflict as a nation. And not only that, but it caused them to be confused. They're, they're in confusion now. They're, in, they're panicking they're crying out to God. They're complaining to Moses. They're blaming everyone. <laughs> blaming Moses. Blaming God. And now they're just in this confused state of like, man, should I have stepped out in faith? Should I have done this 
God thing? I don't know if I trust this. He said to Moses, didn't we tell you to leave us alone in Egypt? We were happy being slaves. We were happy getting our backs beaten. And we were happy seeing our loved ones die of starvation. And we were happy to experience that, Moses. I mean, utter confusion. Experiencing things that make no sense and thinking things that make no sense. I mean, they're, they're thinking, we were happy letting others control our lives. We, we were happy being in this bondage. We were happy letting others make decisions for us. I think we learn something that happens here to the nation of Israel that we need to learn from. It's, if you're facing a dilemma and you're confused and you're having a crisis of faith, in order to get out of that confused place, you must seek the counsel of someone who has a godly perspective. You must. Because if you're confused, if you're in this place where you're experiencing this internal conflict, and you're talking to other confused people who are really just pouring gasoline on your confusion and they're lighting a match and throwing it on your confusion and they're just walking away and watching you burn, that doesn't help anybody. You, you, you have to seek the counsel of someone who has a godly perspective in the midst of a crisis who says, hey, listen, this is what we need to do. This is how you need to think. These are the steps you need to take. You see, even though they were complaining to Moses, Moses was the only one who could give them a proper perspective because Moses was in touch with God. It says this in Exodus 14, verses 13 and 14. So Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Moses says, be calm. I mean, get control of yourselves. My gosh, like, Get control of your emotions. Calm down. Take a deep breath. Stop worrying. Be calm. It's going to be okay. Take a deep breath. And then he says, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord Himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Gosh. What incredible leadership. What a godly perspective. Other versions say that the Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent. And I, I believe Moses was referring to their complaining. He wasn't saying, hey, stop crying out to God. He was saying, I don't want to hear your complaining anymore. Like, stop complaining. Now they're in a position of submitting Spiritual authority. <laughs> Woo! Oh, that's, that gave me chills up my spine, those words. Spiritual authority. I mean, that is not a popular thing in our day and age today. Those are like cuss words. Spiritual authority. What are you talking about? You, you have to have spiritual authority in your life. All of us do. You, you, you need to have someone 
that you look up to spiritually. Okay, this is so important. I'm telling you. Because I've experienced it. And I'm speaking with some passion here because I, I believe in this. But you have to have someone that you look up to spiritually that when you're struggling in your marriage, you can go and seek a godly perspective. And you can seek godly counsel. Not all these clowns that are going to just tell you, like, just end it and be done with him or be done with her. And it's just a gossip fest. Like, you don't need that. What you need is someone who's going to tell you something you may not want to hear. That's the godly perspective that you need. You need spiritual authority, someone that you can look up to and seek their counsel. People who you can appeal to or seek counsel from when you're spiritually confused. Look at verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but there's, there's a problem with this verse here in verse 15. He says, Moses, why are you crying to me? But the problem is, is it never says that Moses was crying to him. And what I, what I believe is being spoken of here is God not only sees your words and your outward actions, but he knows what's going on inside. And I believe Moses was just as freaked out as the people were. He saw the Red Sea, he saw the dust cloud and all these bad dudes coming to cut them in half with their swords. And he's like, his stomach's in knots. And he's like, hey, everyone, be calm. You know, his voice probably cracked. You know, be calm, you know. Like, he's experiencing internally what the people are showing outwardly. And God said, a reminder, hey, Moses, why are you crying to me, man? I got you. Tell the people to move forward. Now notice he told the people to move forward before the sea had parted. Here's the principle I think that's important for us to learn. Not just a a verse prior, I believe, maybe two verses prior, God had just told them to stand still and to do nothing. But now, Moses gets another message from the Lord and God tells the people to move. It's kind of like, which is it, God? You know, stand still and do nothing or move? Here's the principle I think we need to learn. When God puts you in a dilemma and there's nothing that you can do or should do, you do nothing. But when God tells you to move, you move. My dad used to always tell me this when it comes to making decisions. And we're going to make decisions in our lives often, sometimes hard decisions. But he used to say, if the Lord gives you a clear direction, you move. If not, you wait. Man, can it really be that simple? Yeah, like when God tells you to do something, you do it. And if you don't have clarity, you wait and you seek His direction, His counsel. The Scriptures tell us that by faith, 
they crossed the Red Sea. A couple things, observations that I want to make about faith really quickly. Remember, faith shows itself in what you do, not what you feel. Okay, They were freaked out, panicking, thinking their lives were done for, and God said, move forward. They're still feeling that fear and that panic, but they began to walk forward, and faith is what parted the sea that was in front of them. The lesson is this. Faith often has to operate when fear is present. A lot of times you're going to step out in faith and inside you're going to be, I mean, your, your stomach's going to be in knots. But you still got to step forward in faith. Often it's going to be right in the middle of that feeling of fear that you experience your greatest faith. Faith does not immediately eliminate fear. I think that's a lot of misunderstanding. It's like, man, when I step out in faith, I shouldn't be afraid anymore. And it's like, that's, that's not how it works. You'll still have those feelings, but you still move forward in faith. The reality is fear keeps you stuck. Fear locks you down. It, 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 uh, it prohibits forward movement. Faith moves. Faith is active. It moves forward. It does things. Look at verses 16 and 17 of Exodus chapter 14. Speaking to Moses, he says, Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them. And I will get the glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots, and his horsemen. Skip down to verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now now picture this for just a moment. Like you see an entire nation, like from Pharaoh's perspective. He's, he's watching an, an entire nation of almost two million people walk through a huge body of water, the Red Sea. And there's a wall of water on their left and a wall of water on their right. I mean, I don't think Pharaoh's ever seen this before. (laughs) It's pretty miraculous. And even though Pharaoh sees this, he decides to pursue after them anyways. Like, you would have to be out of your mind. You'd have to be crazy. But the reality is, is they were made crazy by the hardening of their hearts. I mean, think about someone who's been just out of control with anger. And they are so angry, they do things that they regret for the rest of their lives. But in that moment, the anger was controlling them in such a way, they were out of their minds. Pharaoh is so angry, he pursues after them anyways. You see, the reality is, is God is working 
He's working in the background of your life and your situations. And he may be hardening the heart of your coworker or your boss, making them treat you bad or worse than they have before. Or maybe it's that family member that's just a constant thorn in your side. And, you know, like God may be allowing those things to happen because he's going to use it somehow, some way to display his power. To show you something that you need to learn. To part something in your life that you thought, man, there is no way through this. I will harden Pharaoh's heart and the Egyptians will come after you. So the nation of Israel walks through the Red Sea, the Egyptian armies pursuing after them. And we see the result of this in the last verse of Exodus 14. Verse 31, it says, Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the nation of Israel got to the other side. The Egyptian army was right in the middle of the Red Sea and God caused the waters to come on top of them. The entire Egyptian army was destroyed that day. And the people of Israel saw this. They experienced this. And it says, so the people feared the Lord. I think I would too. Like, wow. God is something else. And it says they believed in the Lord and in His servant Moses. So, why why do we face dilemmas? Why do we face difficult situations? Even when we're in His will? Even when we're following His leadership? Even when it seems like we're doing everything right? Sometimes God will allow you to face dilemmas so that you can see something. So that you can see the power of the Lord. The people saw the great power of the Lord. But remember, I mean, these are the same people that were complaining. They wanted to go back to slavery. They wanted to go back to Egypt. Was It's a picture of their past. I think some of us, we, we begin to walk in freedom or we begin to walk in victory. But sometimes we want to go back to the mess that we just came from. I mean, that was the nation of Israel. They wanted to go back to slavery, to bondage. So I guess I wanted to encourage you this morning. What if you looked at your dilemma that you're in a little bit differently? Instead of being freaked out or overwhelmed or blaming everyone and everything, what if instead you cried out to God and you moved forward in faith? What if God has you in a dilemma so He can show you His power? So you can be at a place where the only credit can go to God. It's like, man, only God could have done that. So you might be thinking, man, Justin, you know it's December, right? Like, why are you taking us to the Red Sea, you know? Like, where's Mary and Joseph and, you know, the manger and stuff? Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I I took you to the story of the Red Sea because many of us are experiencing dilemmas in the world that we live in today. 
I have seen, I have experienced personally things I never thought I would see or experience. We're facing some dilemmas. But even more important than that, I took you to the Red Sea because I don't want you to underestimate the power of God. When Luke recorded the words of Jesus and he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on, comes in you, that same power that parted the Red Sea is what he was talking about. That same power lives in you as a follower of Jesus Christ. When you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And that power is in you. The Apostle Paul said this in Romans 8.11. He said, The same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, that same Spirit, that same power lives inside of you. I know I don't fully comprehend. I don't I got a lot of learning to do when it comes to experiencing and living in the power of God. The point is this, don't be stuck in fear. You have the living God in you. You you shouldn't live in fear. But I want to encourage you to cry out to God and he will make a way where there seems to be no way. And then it says, you will be my witnesses. I want you to know, I I didn't have this in my notes. I believe, man, the first service this morning, I, I said these things, and I think this was of the Lord, but when you experience the power of God in your life, that's when you can truly witness to a lost and dying world. Listen, I don't want you to witness about things that you haven't experienced, that you haven't tasted and seen that God is good. But man, when you experience like a brokenness, a bondage in your past, slavery, death, whatever it may be, and God has delivered you from that, and you begin to speak to others, you begin to witness You begin to proclaim and you begin to say, this is what God has done in my life. Man, now you're speaking from a a position of conviction and passion. And people believe what you're saying. You're not like a salesman trying to sell something you don't believe in. My gosh, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. I want to speak about something I believe in. And I'm passionate about it because I've seen it and I've witnessed it and I've experienced it. I think that's when Acts chapter 1, verse 8 comes alive. That's when our witness becomes powerful because you're speaking about something you believe in. Listen, if you're watching online and you're like, man, I I need this power in my life. I need this power. I want to encourage you. And you can click on, on that little tab that says request prayer. We have a host that's ready to pray with you. And today can be the day of your salvation. You can put your faith in Jesus Christ today. And you can begin to learn and to walk in that power of God. And for those of you that are here in person, I want to invite you to take that same step. And we have a prayer room right outside of this room. When you walk out of those doors, turn to your right. We have some amazing volunteers that are ready to pray with you, pray for you. And man, today you can take a step to say, I don't fully understand. (laughs) I don't fully understand.
the power of God. But I want to I wanna move forward just like the nation of Israel did. And I want to see God m- make a way where there is no way. I want to experience that. And you can, you can put your faith in Jesus Christ today and the Holy Spirit will come and live inside of you and you will receive power. You will receive power. And I want to encourage you to make the decision today to trust God in your dilemmas. And I believe when we walk in this way, this is why I titled this series Joy to the World. Because when you begin to witness about things that you've experienced, man, that's how joy spreads. And people put their faith in Jesus and then they begin to experience the goodness of God and they begin to see God work miracles in their lives. Man, Jesus truly is the joy of our world. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, thank you for the story of the Red Sea. Thank you for your words, Jesus, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and your promise that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we will be witnesses, a witness is someone who's testifying about things that they have seen and experienced. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to step out in boldness and faith. And I pray that you would take us to new levels of our walk with you, new experiences, and we would be able to speak from a position of passion and authority, and our witness would be true. And Lord, people would believe in you because of our witness, because of the things that we have seen and experienced. God, I pray that you'd help us as a church. We we so desperately want to be a missions-minded church. We want to have a heart for our community, for those that are broken and just really uh, hopeless, Lord. We want to bring hope to them and light to them. But we not only want to just see it in our own community, we want to see it in this region of La Plata County. We want to see it in the state of Colorado. We want to see it in the United States. We want to see it in the world. So God, I just pray that you would help us to Yeah, be a church that is like a city on a hill that's a light into the darkness. Be sure to give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.